1: Dr. Hansen, good evening to you.
2: Good evening, Shannon.
1: How are you all doing tonight? We're doing great. All right. Everybody, welcome aboard. We're excited to be here with Dr. Jonathan Hansen and World Ministries International. Brother Hansen, would you like to open us up in prayer?
2: Father God, we thank you again for this opportunity to share your truth. And we pray, Lord, that people would tune in right now and they'll understand what we're talking about tonight as far as the meaning of Molech, the spirit of Molech. And so, Father God, again, we just praise you. We give you glory and honor. And let us all, dear God, understand the battle we're in and the fight we have and how to defeat every demon in our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to share a couple messages tonight that I've shared in our chapel here on television The first one is Moloch and judgment. And the second one will be Hanukkah, menorah, and victory. We need to understand the spirit of Moloch. We need to understand the victory that we can have no matter what obstacles. Because during the Maccabee, they resisted evil at a large scale, overwhelming odds, and the miracle happened. And it can still Happen today. This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning television program. Those that are going to be listening on radio or shortwave, welcome. Watching on social media or listening, welcome. Uh, podcasts, we have over 40 of them, welcome. Uh, we are going to talk about this morning, I'm in our college classroom chapel here at World Ministries International. This is a live audience. And we're going to be talking about Moloch and Judgment. If I have time, I'm going to also touch a bit on encouragement and temptation. Because all of this is critical. Moloch and judgment. I just finished a pastoral article. If you don't get my pastoral articles, you can telephone my office, 360-629-5248. Ask to be put on our mailing list. You can sign up right on my website, www.worldministries.. O-R-G. Moloch ruling America. Moloch can be spelled in the Bible. It's spelled two ways. Because again, you you have different, uh, whether it's Hebrew, Greek, Latin. Moloch, M-O-L-O-C-H or M-O-L-E-C-H, it doesn't matter. Was a Canaanite deity associated with child sacrifice. A statue of Moloch, was stationed at the entrance of the Colosseum in Rome to welcome visitors to an exhibit that ran through March 20, 2020. Did you hear that? This is where many Christian martyrs died instead of renouncing their faith in Jesus Christ. The height of this hypocrisy cannot be overlooked. The leaders of the world do not look to God of the Bible as supreme, worthy of loyalty, worship, and obedience placing the statue of Moloch in front of the Colosseum in Rome. Again, the height of hypocrisy, of downgrading the God of the Bible, of Jesus Christ, trampling on the blood of the martyrs, a symbol how the world, especially demons influencing the leaders of the world, view true Christians. They look at them as ignorant, stupid, narrow-minded individuals resisting the morality of the New World Order where the morality of Moloch is worshipped. Throughout the Bible, where the Israelites engaged in the morality of Moloch, even to the extent of killing their children in the fires of Moloch, God judged them. They went into bondage and slavery as everything they did failed. Crops. Protection, everything. Leviticus eighteen twenty one: Do not allow any of your children to be offered to Moloch. The morality of Moloch includes not only killing babies in the mother's womb, but also homosexuality, lesbianism, cross dressing, adultery, fornication, cohabitation, drunkenness, idolatry, deceit, witchcraft, etc. Romans one twenty eight through thirty two. And even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful pride, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in him that do them. First Chronicles 10, 13-14. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore, he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. He died because he went into witchcraft, inquiring of a witch, a person with a familiar spirit. How many Christians do that all the time? especially overseas. God's behavior toward the nation of Israel is no different than any other nation. God's behavior is universal and unchanging. We must understand that. God's behavior is universal and unchanging. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a battle between good and evil in America and throughout the nations. Make no mistake who we are fighting. It's not political parties but Satan himself through the demons of Moloch. America is worshiping, serving Moloch. Very soon, no one will be able to sit on the sidelines any longer and try not to take sides to avoid criticism and persecution. Right now, we're doing it. That's why we're losing America. But pretty soon, you're going to have to take a side. Revelation thirteen seven, as well as 16 through 17. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. The battle lines are being drawn, and each person on earth will have to choose who they really serve. The liberal, lukewarm, compromising Christian will no longer be able to hide their faith like a coward. Jesus said in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. Luke nine twenty six. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me in my words of him, shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he shall come in his glory and his Father and the holy angels. We are living in very perilous times, very dangerous times. The Bible tells us in James 4.8, Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded, compromiser, confused. If you don't take a stand, you have a mind that's confused. You, as Christians, must choose who you are truly going to follow and serve. If you don't choose not now not to compromise, but instead just go along with the flow, then you would definitely go along with the easiest way out. Did you hear that? Some people just want to go along with the flow, live it that live. Oh, I don't need to say anything. They know. God help you on judgment day. I believe you will take the mark of the beast If this is what you do, take the easy way out today. You say, oh no, then I won't. Yes, you will. If you take the easy way out today, unless you change now, you would take the mark of the beast. I believe you'll take the mark of the beast if pre-trib or mid-trib rapture doesn't happen. Until the rapture happens, which no one truly knows when it takes place, a deep relationship is critical You must get as close to God as possible so the Holy Spirit can really guide you. If the Holy Spirit wakes you up in the middle of the night, tells you to get up and drive east, get up and drive east. My staff at World Ministries International has heard me say that 22 years ago. Don't be like Lot's wife who was so in love with the world she couldn't obey God and escape destruction. God's behavior is universal and unchanging. The full cup of iniquity with Israel is as follows. Israel becomes wicked. Warnings are sent from God through prophets. When the warnings are repeatedly rejected by the people or nation, God sends destruction. For example, God sent eight prophets to Israel over a period of 130 years prior to the destruction of the ten northern tribes to warn the people to repent, obey the laws of God, or he would send destruction. God sent the prophets Elisha, Obadiah, Joel, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and Micah. When the majority of the people continued to reject the warnings of God, which is the grace and mercy of God, finally the cup of iniquity became full. God broke his silence and used the Assyrian king to bring his judgment upon Israel by destroying the ten tribes of Israel in 722 B.C. Later, when the Assyrians' cup of iniquity became full, God sent another nation to destroy the Assyrians. The cup of iniquity principle always takes place as it is a rule, a law of design by God himself. It is the science of judgment. Prior to the destruction of the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, God sent five prophets out of compassion to warn them to repent. For 65 years, the prophets Nahum, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, tried to warn them of God's anger toward their sins, but they continue to reject the warnings of the prophets. We must realize God is predictable. There are certain patterns of apostasy that are scientific for all nations. God's character of justice and mercy is known and balanced into what I call divine love. When patterns of apostasy continue and a cup of iniquity becomes full, then first redemptive and finally destructive judgment falls. God sends a destroyer upon a nation to judge it. God uses kings of nations as his arm of destruction. He uses them as his destroyer to conquer and destroy that nation in apostasy. The people of Israel were warned about violating the terms of God's covenant. You can read Leviticus 26, 14 through 33. I don't have time. It continues to say, if you don't do this, I will do this. If you don't do this, I'll increase it seven times. And he goes on and on and on. The scripture warns about the full cup of iniquity law. When God's mercy and grace runs its duration and God's anger and wrath boils over, his judgment starts to fall. Judgment is first meant to lead a nation to repent, redemption. If the person is beyond redemption, God's judgment is for destruction. Did you hear what I said? If a person or nation is beyond redemption, people are dying, some without warning. They've heard the word of God over and over for years, 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 and years. And they're dying. All ages, right now. There is a point of no return. God sends destruction upon people and nations where their wickedness takes them beyond redeeming love. I've said before we could put the righteous, more righteous people into office. To stop the toppling of the United States of America by communists. To bring us back under a republic. But yet, if they don't call a repentance, as even most republicans now are backing homosexuality, judgment is going to fall on America anyway. Even if we had republicans in the White House, the Senate, the legislature, House of Representatives, unless they started to talk about repentance, for sins of abomination, idolatry, immorality, killing the innocent and dividing the land of Israel, cohabitation, fornication, adultery, lesbianism, LGBT. This nation is going to be judged anyway. And no politician is going to stop it because we are under the spirit of Moloch. The principle is simple. God breaks his silence when a person, city, or nation reaches a certain level of wickedness. He uses one or more of his divine judgments. If the situation is redeemable, his judgments are for redemption. If the situation is beyond redemption, repentance, then his judgments are for destruction. God did not give Abraham's descendants a land until after the Amorites had failed to repent, taking advantage of God's mercy, compassion, and grace. Therefore, God's judgment instead... God is the same for all people. Judgment only comes after man continues in sin instead of repenting, thus fulfilling the cup of iniquity, which brings on God's wrath. Remember that ancient Israel's possession of Canaan was based on the same conditions applicable to the Amorites. The Canaanites lost their land when their cup of iniquity became full. God breaks his silence. And his wrath starts to fall, judgment comes when grace is continually rejected by refusing to repent and obey God's covenant. There comes a point of no return. Jeremiah 7.16, pray not for this people, neither lift up a cry nor a prayer for them, neither make intercession for them, for I will not hear it. Jeremiah 11 and 11.14, therefore thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. People are saying, God, God, help America. God's not going to help America if America doesn't repent. You can cry all you want. He doesn't hear that prayer unless it's from a right heart, a clean heart, a heart that's serving him. Unless we lead the nation in repentance, cry all you want, you're not going to save America. I will bring judgment no matter how much you cry, God says. And though they cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Therefore pray not for the people. Neither lift up cry or prayer for them. I will not hear them in the time they cry unto me for their trouble. Jeremiah 11, 11 and 14. Jeremiah 14, 11 through 16. Thus saith the Lord, pray not for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offering and obligation, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword, famine, and pestilence. The prophets prophesy lies in my name. How many people are preaching a lie today? How many churches are ordaining drag queens and homosexuals, mainline churches? They lie, Jesus said. And they will be judged, Jesus said. There comes a point of no return. God executes final judgment for destruction and eternity. No amount of tears, prayers will help them. As God knows, real repentance has not taken place, but people just want to escape final punishment. You hear the sinner, even the the atheist, Oh, God! God doesn't hear them. God knows that if they live forever, they would never truly repent, but continue to deceive and rebel. Ezekiel 14, 13, 14, 16, 18, and 20. Son of man, when the land sins against me, trespassing grievously, then I'll stretch out my hand upon it, I'll break the staff of the bread, I'll send famine upon it, I'll cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they shall deliver their own souls by their own righteousness, says the Lord. Though these three men were in it as I live, saith the Lord, they shall deliver neither sons or daughters, they only shall be delivered, but the land will be desolate. Though these three men were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they will deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they shall be delivered themselves by their own righteousness. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it as I live, saith the Lord God, they will deliver neither sons nor daughters. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. It goes on and on. Lawlessness is sweeping America like never before. The science of judgment is happening right before our very eyes. Yet many Christians do not recognize what is taking place. Ladies and gentlemen, overcoming temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. It should help you and I to know that every human being goes through Temptation. We all go through temptation. God's word says flee temptation. Paul tells us that overcoming temptation isn't about what we do or don't. It's about what we believe concerning the one we serve. We put our trust in God and he gives us the strength. We rely on the word of God, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit inside you and I. 1 Corinthians 10.13, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond our ability to be victorious. It's about God's faithfulness to you in the midst of your temptation. God's faithfulness. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Why am I saying this? Because judgment is falling on America. It's going to fall. Millions are going to die. The word of God talks about a lot more than millions before Jesus returns. It talks about over 2 billion people dying. The Lord, he gives us the ability, no matter what temptation might harass us, know that it has also harassed other multitudes and we can overcome it. God says, I am with you. Paul says, the Lord is utterly faithful to you in that hour. He won't let you be tempted beyond your ability. Paul knew that. And he was tempted so very much. We can overcome every temptation. John 14.30 says, he has no claim on me. We're talking about the devil. He has no claim on me. 1 Corinthians 10.13, but with the temptation he'll provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The millions of martyrs endured it without, without denying Christ. The apostles died without denying Christ. They endured it because he was with them. Several times I thought I was going to die and all of a sudden he rises up and you're not afraid to die. He takes over. It's not your strength. It's God's strength in you. The hope of glory. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Again, Ephesians 6.10-18 tells you how to be strong in the Lord. The power of his might. To put on the full armor of God. Dr. Carl wrote... To encourage someone means to inspire them with courage and hope. Encouragers reassure you and raise your spirit so you can keep moving toward your God-given purpose. Discouragers undermine you, weaken your courage, and smother your confidence. When you become discouraged, you lose the boldness to move forward toward fulfilling your destiny in God. Even well-meaning fellow Christians, when they don't have the same vision you do, can discourage you. They may tell you what you are trying to do is impossible. Don't listen. And don't draw them close to you. Tell them God gave you the vision and move on. Seek out those that will encourage you. Walk with them. They will propel you forward. Tell yourself, with man this is impossible, but not with God because you know all things all things are possible with God. Mark 10:27. Your association would either make you better or bitter. Remember, hurting people hurt people. If you allow bitterness and unforgiveness to have access to your heart, you'll give the enemy a foothold in your life. His goal is to keep you from fulfilling your God-given plan and destiny for your life. He'll send others to you. God will to help you overcome. Satan will to try to make you bitter. Give your life to God, Ephesians 4, 31-32. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has
3: forgiven you. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled, The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws, or the rules of design, regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Thank you, and shalom.
2: This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. Also, those that are listening on our Warning Radio, or shortwave program, podcast, media, welcome. We're in our studio here, college studio, campus, our chapel at World Ministries International. It's a live audience. And I want to speak today on the Hanukkah, Menorah, and Victory. I know I spoke recently on radio on Moloch ruling America. That would be a message in and by itself. I also spoke it on television because that spirit is ruling America right now. Judgment is the consequence. It's, it's already falling. Some people don't recognize it. It's falling. It's going to continue to fall without a repentance. The same thing all through the Bible with the people of God in Israel. When they served God, they prospered with not, they went into judgment. So we want to talk a little bit of the Hanukkah menorah and victory. What does it mean? How does it apply for you and I today? My references come from scripture, as well as from a couple apostolic leaders I know in Israel, Asher Traitor and Ron Kendor. Let's get right into the message. And again, what does it mean for you and I? Now, the Bible speaks of the menorah or lampstand on three levels. One in the Torah, one in the prophets, and one in the new covenant. Moses was commanded to build a seven-branched golden lampstand and place it in the holy place of the tabernacle. That's in Exodus 25, 31 through 40. I'm not going to read all of the verses there, but I'm going to read a few of them out of that. Uh, Exodus 25:31, and thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made and has shaft, and his branches, his bowels, his uh, knobs and his flowers shall be of the same. So his bowls, his knobs, his flowers be of the same. I uh, skip down to 36: their knobs and their branches shall be of the same. It shall be one beaten work of pure gold. 38, and the tongues thereof thereof shall be pure gold, stuffed dishes. 39, of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. Gold, purity, no defect. The priests were required to take care of the lampstand, but there was no clear teaching as to the spiritual meaning of the menorah. When there is no clear teaching in something in the Torah, such as the Feast of Trumpets, it is often because it can only be understood in the light of the New Covenant. Now, in the Hanukkah story, the Jews, led by Judah Maccabee, and a small army defeated the Syrian king. It was considered a miracle that this tiny army of Jews could defeat the massive Syrian force. Okay, we need a miracle in America. We need a miracle in the world. Do we have that small remnant army of God that knows how to fight? Now, the, the, the Syrian king devastated Jerusalem in 168 BCE. He defiled the temple. He offered a pig on its altar. He erected it, the altar to Jupiter. Prohibited temple worship. Sacrifices, forbid circumcision on pain of death, sold thousands of Jewish families into slavery, destroyed all copies of the scripture that could be found. He slaughtered everyone discovered in possession of such copies. He resorted to every conceivable torture to force Jews to renounce their religion. Reminds me of Hitler, World War II. Reminds me, of, again, some of the propaganda and some of the rhetoric coming out of the White House today, making all of us domestic terrorists. After the surprising Jewish victory, the temple, including the menorah, was rededicated to the Maccabees as they celebrated a new holiday of Hanukkah, meaning dedication. The lampstand at the Hanukkah is called in Hebrew, Hanukkahiah, it has nine lights instead of the original seven, eight of which represent the eight days of the menorah in the temple remained lit. Now, get to the miracle we're going to look at besides the victory, which is a miracle. Despite having only enough oil for one day, according to tradition, an extra candle called a shamash that is used to light the others. So here you have the menorah, and you have one taller candle, the shamash, that is used to light the other individual candles. Though most American Jews call this a menorah, it is not a replica of the tabernacle menorah. Nevertheless, it was clearly meant to represent the temple menorah in Jewish religious tradition, as it commemorates the miracle of the seven-branched menorah during the temple's rededication okay so we must understand these things I've taught in menorah before and Hanukkah before going into greater depth than we have time today and the shamash the shamash the the candle that lights the others again representing the Messiah now a sign of restoration on the second level of the the prophet Zechariah saw a vision a mystical menorah with two olive trees one to each side. This symbolized the Lord restoring Zion and the temple by the power of his grace and his spirit. Zechariah 4, 1 through 10. This vision became the basis for the symbol and the seal of the modern state of Israel. Now, Zechariah 4, 1 through 10, I don't want to read again all of that, but verse 2, And said unto me, What seest thou? All I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. Now we must understand these things. Verse 6, And he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord." If we're going to have victory in these days ahead, if we're going to see America uh, under God, again, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. I've said many times, no political party is going to save America. I don't care if you put the most conservative people in to power again, if they rule the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. If there's not a great repentance under the laws of God, we've got to repent of homosexuality, lesbianism, cross-dressing, cohabitation. We have to repent of the sins that bring judgment, idolatry, immorality, killing the innocent, and dividing the land of Israel. I don't care who's in power. You can delay this communist takeover, but you're not going to stop judgment. There's got to be another great awakening. Again, to the Maccabees, they understood it. They dedicated this victory to God. They dedicated the temple, and we're going to get into it. God has got to be our driving force, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. So, rededicated by the Maccabees, the temple, the lampstand in Hanukkah is in Hebrew, Hanukkah, H-A-N-U-K-I-A-H. It has nine lights eight of which represent the eight days of the menorah in the temple, remained lit despite having only enough oil for one day. So here's another miracle. Not only the victory against this Syrian king and this vast army, but they had oil for one day. If you wanted to rededicate the temple, it had to be lit with oil for eight days. They had it for one day, yet the one-day supply never ran dry. You get into the fishes and the loaves. Enough to feed a few people, yet they fed thousands. Again, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. It comes back to the power of God. Though most American Jews call this a menorah, again, it's not the replica of the tabernacle menorah. Now, this symbolized this vision of Zechariah The Lord restoring Zion and the temple by the power of his spirit, of his grace. Again, this vision became the basis for the symbol and seal of the modern state of Israel. The body of the Messiah, the third level, is found in the book of Revelation, in which John has a supernatural vision. He has a vision of Yahshua in the glorified form standing in the midst of the seven lamp stands. It is more likely, if we're going to be consistent with Scripture, that it was either a menorah that John saw with seven branches or seven menorahs with forty-nine lights in total. The word for lampstand in the Hebrew Scripture is almost always menorah, seven-branched uh, le- stand. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the same word is used for menorah as John used for the lampstand in Revelation. In the Hebrew New Testament, lampstand is translated as menorah. Furthermore, the menorah or menorahs in Revelation are made of gold, just as God told Moses. So you have Revelation and you have Exodus. Exodus 25.3, and this offering which you shall take of them gold and silver and brass. Okay, everything comes back to gold, purity, holiness, righteousness, no, no sin, no defect. The highest value. Each branch of the menorah, or each menorah, represented one of the seven churches or congregations of Asia Minor, Revelation 1, 12, and verse 20. So Revelation 1, 12, and verse 20. And I turned to see the voice that spoke unto me, and being turned, I saw seven candlesticks. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest are the seven churches. So again, what are we seeing? What is God revealing? Not only the churches, but those that reside in them. John's vision pictures people of every tribe, tongue, and nation being glorified by the power of God. Zechariah's prophetic vision found expression in modern Zionism. And again, John's vision pictures every tribe, tongue, and nation. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. Unity brings God's fire. We know that the menorah in the temple had to be built according to the pattern God gave Moses. Exodus 25, 40, be sure to make them according to the plans that you are shown on the mountain. Everything we do, if we want victory, we need to do according to God's word, God's plans, God's laws, God's morality. We can't change it. You know, people want to make the word of God progress and progressive. It's not progressive. You cannot change the word of God. You cannot make immorality moral. You can't do it. Only a backslidden people try. So if John's vision of the seven-branched menorah was representation and representative of the United Body of Believers, then the fire must also have meaning. So without the menorah, you cannot have fire. Certainly not contained, managed, and focused fire. Once the menorah was built, it could be lit. In the same way, when believers gathered on Shavuot, Pentecost, in unity with one purpose and focus, waiting on the Holy Spirit, they became that spiritual menorah that could be lit. Pentecost. And the Spirit came as of tongues of fire. Fire. In fact, the image of the 120 with flames of fire upon them is an image of one menorah with many branches. Each branch is on fire, doing the will of God. Now, with the menorah in place, just as Yahshua instructed, Jesus, says, but stay in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with a power from on high. Luke 24, 49, the fire of the Holy Spirit could not only fall but also function through each believer. So it's not only falling on each believer but functioning through each believer. Not only do we get touched and blessed, raise our hands, shout hallelujah, speak in tongues, but we function. We go forth to do the will of God with power and authority. We don't just... Hide our light under a bushel. What good was the power of God if you're going to put it out? What good is to be trained if you're not going to fight? The church is supposed to fight, but the church is not fighting. The church isn't in unity. The church is dysfunctional. Half the church doesn't even believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How are we going to take back America if we don't get right back to these truths? How, again, they had the victory. How the Maccabees had the victory. How are we going to have victory? The fruit was 3,000 men and women, children, were born again, but also functioning through each believer now. God started to use each believer. Again, the fruit was that the 3,000 men plus women and children were born again. The lesson is like the menorah. The body of the Messiah must be built according to the heavenly pattern. That who? God, Yahshua, tells us in John 17 that his deep desire is for unity. Now, we're not going to read all of John 17, but it would be good to read it. You have verses 1 through 26, it's a book on unity, unity. You know, nine, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And it goes in, verse one, these words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify thy son, that thy son may also glorify thee. Everything we do is to give God glory. We, we live to give God glory. We live to serve God. We live to bring that light to other people so they can live to serve God, so they can function through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is very important. Unity. Only when the body is in unity can the spirit flow as he desires. Again, get back to Acts chapter 2. We're not going to read the whole of Acts chapter 2. It's a powerful chapter. But I encourage you to do it. Verses 1 through 47, but I will read the first four. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now again, you can read the results. What is the results? There was a mighty harvest. If we are on fire, functioning through the fire of God, we have a harvest. We see harvest in our lives. We see souls come to Christ through you and I. We see them learning to function in their God given responsibility while they're alive on earth, to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We get back to the unity that John 17 talks about. We all become one. The Maccabees, they had to follow a leader, they had to be in unity, they had to give up their life for the cause. We need to give up our life if we want victory for Jesus Christ in America. Not self-preservation, so we're afraid to open our mouths so we don't get fired or criticized. You must be willing to get fired or criticized. Moloch is ruling America. There's coming a time when you're not going to sit on the fence. If you will not take a stand now, I guarantee you, you will take the mark of the beast because you won't even stand up for Christ now when it's not near the mark of the beast or death. Listen to me. Did you hear what I said? If you can't stand now, there's coming a time. No more sitting on the sidelines. You're going to be forced to take a stand. If you can't do it now, I believe you'll take the mark of the beast. You can't even do it under freedom when there's no such thing as penalty of death. You just don't want to be criticized. You want to preserve your job or whatever you want to do. Think about this. Are you willing to stand now? And if you're not, don't fool yourself. You will not stand then. But you'll be swept away. Only when the body is in unity can the Spirit flow as He desires and acts too. In other words, gossip, backbiting, dissension, jealousy, and like all work, to throw, that stops the authentic work of of God, and will put the fire of God out if we are involved in these things. Unity, we won't be involved in gossip, backbiting, dissension, jealousy, and sin like this. These are the works of Satan to stop the church from being united, to see a mighty, mighty victory. Only the servant can light the candles. It's interesting that in Jewish tradition, it is the one special candle, the shamash, that leaves his special position above the other candles to come down and give light to the other unlit ones. Shamash means servant. So if you know that nine-branched menorah, you have this taller candle. You take one each day and you light the other candles. Each day you light a candle. If you want to celebrate Hanukkah, this is a great time to celebrate. Once the... Shamash has lit the other candles. He then takes his place above again, above the others. Jesus lights us, but he is still our Lord and Savior. Again, Philippians 2, 6 through 11 plays this out. Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in an appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and tongue confess. In heaven and on earth, and under the earth, every tongue acknowledge that Yahshua, the Messiah, is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. All under God. You know, we're instructed, part of this story is to shine your light. According to Jewish tradition, we are to take the lit Hanukkah, And place it in a window to declare Hanukkah miracle to all who would see it. I always place the menorah in my window at this time of year. And every night, we light another one up. Was Joshua thinking of this, even though the tradition came later? When he said, quote, out of Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it in a lampstand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven john 8:12 i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life you might also find it interesting to know that Jesus, Yahshua, declared and celebrated Hanukkah. John 10, 22. It speaks of him being in Jerusalem for the feast of dedication or Hanukkah. Isn't that something? What's the lesson? Well, Philippians 1:7. Even at his even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have put you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. In other words, strive for unity. The Maccabees had to be in unity. That had never defeated the Syrian army. It took unity. In unity, then the power of God was there. In unity, Pentecost exploded. In unity, miracles happened. One, we must have unity. Two, expect the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a word from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like on fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And three, let your light shine. Matthew five fourteen through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick? And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. We need a miracle. Just like the Maccabees needed a miracle to get themselves out of bondage, out of slavery. They need to rededicate the temple. We need to rededicate this nation back to God. It takes unity. It takes the power of God. It takes the Holy Spirit working through each one of us. And we can't hide our light if we want to see that victory. Ladies and gentlemen, let this dwell on you and meditate on it. Go over this message. You can go to my website, www.worldministries.org, and watch it again and again. Also, we need your help. This year has been a horrible year, $69,000 in the red. Help us to see victory. God bless you. Shannon.
1: Dr. Hanson, this was real meat of the word tonight. I so much appreciate this message, the teaching, and the article that you shared as well. I want to ask you, there are people tuning in that are new here to the broadcast. How can they sign up to receive your newsletters?
2: Or well, they can telephone 360 629 5248. That's 360 629 5248. Operators would be there. They could sign them up, or they could also make a donation that very way. Or they can go to my website, www.worldministries.org. That's www.worldministries.org. Once again, worldministries.org. They can sign up that way, and they can also give that way. Our website is tremendous. If they don't get our cable stations or other types of media formats, television programs in their area, my website carries it all. We have seven days a week. They could watch or listen to something, radio, shortwave, television, etc. Also, if they want to send a check, address it to WMI. Make the check out to WMI and send it to World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Once again, put on the check WMI. And then send it on the envelope, World Ministries International, PO Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292.
1: My friend, I'm real honored to be here with you tonight. Thank you for letting us partner with you. We love and appreciate you all, and we will see you next time.
2: God bless you, Shannon.
1: God bless you, my friend.